Hello, you're listening, you are listening to, to SRM Student Radio Master Command on 107.5 FM.
Good evening, good evening, good evening. You are listening to Student Radio Master on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech for today. And joining me in the studio are Adam and Luca. Can you give us some noise? Any noise is fine, really. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Beautiful, beautiful. Very, very, very conventional noises to begin with are very civilized. I'm a fairly conventional guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Try to start civilized. It's good. I can guarantee it's, it's going to get wild and feral very soon. <laughs> so just, just, just to, for our listeners who are tuning in, you're listening to, like I said, Student Radio Mastery. And the topic of today is political question. The reason being... Uh, one of my friends who's a student um, asked me, <laughs> do, do, can I suggest some political topics? And out of the blue. So I um, I had to Google what politics are. And apparently it turns out politics are, it's, 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 it's been nicely defined by um, um, by a feminist personality of the 70s, who was also a student, by the way, uh, Carol Hunish. And yeah, they said, uh, she said, uh, whatever is private and personal is, uh, is political. And I think... Um, I think we will, be, we will be delving into the depths of this this definition and, and digging out some dirt, uh, not on her, but on on, on our own uh, personal inspirations and, and problems. And uh, yeah, I think that's the uh, yeah, Adam. Okay, let's get stuck in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's glad, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, before we started the show, uh, you mentioned about uh, standardization of of iPhone. You know, like the the charger. Yeah, we were comparing so, our uh, comparing our phone choices. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So the USB-C is the uh, is the new new standard. The way to go, I believe. Yeah, yeah. At least in the EU, right? Or there was some some ruling. I in guess this if the EU, I guess the EU has the power to make everyone change. Because yeah, I think yeah, it would yeah. be more complicated to then issue different phones for different countries. I mean, I do they do that with the power plugs. True, different power plugs, right? But I think with the plug in the phone, I think they just. Issue them for all countries, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand that the EU is pushing to to standardise that the the connection for the power supply, particularly for mobile phones. And I believe that Apple have now taken the step to move away from the Lightning uh, connector to the USB uh, micro USB USB C. All right, all right. Just so, just so for our audience, um, I don't. Well, I'm not an expert on politics. Um, so, but but we are sticking to the initial definition of whatever is personal is political. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Adam, your your background. You're working in Maastricht. I'm an expert in Maastricht. Expert yeah. in Maastricht. Yeah. So, lo- so uh, lovely to have you. I, I mo- yeah, I moved here from the UK and I've been in the, in Maastricht for 18 months now. Perfect, 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 perfect. And thank you so much for, for coming and joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. And Luca, you're a student? I'm a student, mm-hmm. second year arts and culture. Beautiful. So um, also also not very, very political uh, academically? Um, or yeah, I mean, we delve into politics as well, I think. But we, we look at issues from all kinds of angles. Actually, right now, I feel like I have a course that's quite political, where we study controversies, how they unfold, how they get resolved. Uh, but there's also many ways to study that. But I think it's more sociology, sure, sure, than sure. political science, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I guess okay. European studies would be the more political science um, core course at the Faculty of Social Science in Maastricht. Right. But yeah, right. It's, it's all politics at the end of the day, right? It's I all mean, politics. It all comes down to it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's a very political environment, Fasos. I mean, I always see you there at the cafe, but like in general, a lot of people there would probably um, identify themselves as politically active or at least politically aware. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think yeah. that that's really well uh, well articulated. By the I wouldn't way, I wouldn't yeah. call myself that away. I don't know. I, I try so to inform myself. In, in my experience, a student environment usually is. I am a, a former student. I, I was a student at university some years ago. I'm with, not anymore. Which uni? Uh, university of Manchester back in the All UK, right. which right. I would say is very politically, uh, very, very political, politically active. Um, and like a lot of universities, the emphasis really, uh, definitely among the politically active section of the, the student population is on a, a kind of left wing, uh, left wing political bent. Um, but yeah, I, I find universities uh, and students are generally quite a politically active group. Um, as you get a little bit older, you find that you maybe keep those views to yourself a little bit more uh, for one reason or another. Uh, it's interesting how, how life develops. Let's just say yeah. that. <laughs> but I, I, I have this talk with a lot of my friends where I think this will also be how we will progress because it's always, I think that's what always happens where I feel like maybe um, I had this theory or something that I heard is that your circle of concern shrinks <laughs> where you just have, <laughs> certain priorities and maybe you also realize okay some issues i will not solve anyway so you just hope to live a happy life and i think <laughs> and i i had this theory that especially once people get kids there's even less concern for other stuff than your own family maybe where you're just like oh there's so many so much trouble you have in life and you have a job and you have to pay rent and you have to do this and that that the, I, the yeah, world yeah, pain yeah, yeah, is yeah, just yeah. Too much. Maybe. It becomes so narrow, right? Like your your biggest concern becomes finding that left shoe under the couch. You're like, oh, where did that shoe go? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, <my> yeah. <laughs> maybe. I mean, then again, obviously, there's been a lot. There's also a lot of very old activists as well. So, uh, you know, I don't want to generalize that, but I feel like no, no. <laughs> fair I, enough. Yeah, I, I think by and large, I think that's the case. In, in my experience, uh, I think those old uh, older activists are uh, a minority, and they're a very particular kind of unconventional person um and yeah i think for most people like you say they become more concerned about their own immediate life and immediate happiness and the things that they can control you know you probably realize most people realize as they get older that there's so much that you just really have no bearing on um so yeah i think that's definitely the case and also something you will find especially in a working environment is that Erring your political views might cause tensions that make life difficult difficult in other ways, um, and you might come across fewer like-minded people than you did when you were in the university environment. Where it's mostly like-minded people. Yeah, that that say. was my experience. Definitely, I rarely find. I mean, there's, I have not. I've yet to meet a at least openly right wing person at Fasos. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think like look. I mean, when if if we have students listening to the show, I think we are getting really good inputs here from a current student and and a former student and a current. Well, you're you're a young um how do you, a young oh, we, professional. We could say a young professional. Young yeah. professional, exactly. So yeah, as soon as you graduate, yeah, indeed, like the uni is provides a safe safe space for for expressing your political opinions and experimenting. And like you said, it's hard to find uh, right winged. Uh, politics within unis, um, maybe maybe more so in the UK. I know it's more politically active in the UK uh, compared to the Maastricht. Um, politically overall, I'm I'm not sure, but I would say as a general rule, uh, universities um, are much like here, very much towards the left yeah. and progressive. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely my experience back in Manchester, and and I think a lot of the the big unis back in the UK are the same. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say there's more of a focus on the on right wing, um, but and it, you know maybe it's a controversial topic, but some people might say that that kind of academic, learned environment uh, 
uh, shall we say, fosters uh, left-wing views? I don't know. I mean, the, the way I see it is that the academic environment fosters, let's say, more uh, more academic view, which is which tends to be, like I said, a more left-wing. But they, well, I also find there are there are sometimes students who don't realize that they might be leaning towards the right. Um, when they say certain things or like when they're supporting certain political uh, movements or so on, depending on which side you ask, I suppose. Yeah, well, <laughs> those oh, those lines have become more and more blurred, I think, yeah. in, in recent years. Um, my feeling, I'd say, is that the kind of academic environment, um, the, the environment of science and, and learning tends to lead people to more... I want to say left-wing, maybe progressive, compassionate views well, on the world, um, and the right-wing views may be more common, where things are not, shall we say, investigated and questioned so much. Right, um, right, right, right. That's controversial in itself, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you'll find when you're in the working environment later in life, you're not always going to be rubbing shoulders with people that have the same, uh, the same views as you of of the world so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said earlier on, like in a uni, of course, it's, it's a more of a safer environment because, well, you are paying the fees. <laughs> and, and at work, yeah, it, it, yeah, it could have consequences, uh, some unintended consequences. But um, we, we, we will come back after this, after this short break. We will listen to some more tunes, which I am glad to say is all thanks to Moza Musica. Today we are listening to King Stereo for the first, first hour, first, uh, first 40 minutes or so during this hour. And we'll switch to another DJ asset towards the towards the end of the show. Um, so yeah, uh, here we go.
Hello, 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 hello. You're listening to Student Radio Master on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech for today. And joining me and joining us in the studio is Adam and Luca. Can you give us Whoa. some noise? Hey. Hey, 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 yeah, it's getting, it's getting better, it's getting better. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we were talking about, about political questions. We, none of us have any real background in politics, not, at least not academically, as far as I know. And yeah, we, we, we were just talking about like the, the standardized charger for phones, for mobile phones, and, and how yeah, USB-C might be a good option for like, for all phones. You know what, the thing is, the thing is, I not only have a problem with the with the charger of the phones, I also have a problem with the size of the phones. Not because of the size in itself objectively, but here's another another funny thing I do. I, I wear my girlfriend's chains, um, mainly because it fits me so well. But, ah, oh, the pocket sizes on girls' chains. I don't know what's happening there. The, it, nothing fits in there. Uh, and definitely not a phone. It fits a half of my phone fits in my back pocket. I don't know if this should be. Do you reckon this should be a political issue raised in the EU? Like, because it it does affect millions. It is very interesting. I, like, because I, I, I also I wore uh, my partner's jeans the other day. Like, we were just like, oh, let's see if they fit me, and they did fit me surprisingly well. <laughs> and I look pretty good in it. But at the same thing, was like, I don't want to wear them. I mean, because the front pocket is, it's just useless. It's just like, for like updates there, like it's like the, you know how sometimes in like uh, jackets, they're like suit shut. Yeah, oh, the same yeah. thing, they, they have like an optical presence, but they're not useful at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just for fashion. And I guess I maybe it comes from that, you know, women traditionally would wear, have purses to have their stuff in and guys don't. So we had to have our pockets, but why wouldn't you give, yeah, yeah, women pockets, I don't know. Do, do, yeah. do you reckon like in, increasing the pocket sizes on women's clothes might might reduce women buying purses and hence having a positive environmental impact somehow you know, in, wow. in an odd way? This is a, a big thing to think about on the spot right now. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a big question. Uh, pocket size, I'm not sure whether it's something that the, the EU, for example, is really going to get on board with and, and take as a serious thing to uh, to standardise. But then there is a surprising amount of like slightly obscure things that the EU has standardised, I suppose. So uh, it could happen. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely take issue with pocket size when it comes to phones. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm not sure, again, we are not experts on politics, but... I I I do, I do remember talking or reading something about like standardized fruit and veggie um, shapes. You know what I mean? Like 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 in the UK, you also have like wonky veggie section. You know, like in the, or in Europe as well, you have wonky veggies. So like, yeah. if you buy cucumber, they're all pretty much the same shape. And if I understand correctly, this was like um, how do you call it? Like pushed by by agricultural lobbies or like packaging companies, so like you can fit more in a box. Uh. <laughs> So, so yeah, you never know. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, anything could happen. The the topic of standardization in the EU is something that actually that I've thought about more and more recently, and it's pretty interesting, especially to me, um, coming from the UK, and obviously we've left the union now, um, and this talk of going back to certain imperial measures, the the measures that we used prior to EU standardizing things which kind of seems like a backward step and, and nonsensical. Um, but it's interesting to think that those kind of things that maybe seemed a little bit inconsequential uh, in the past have been standardized across across Europe. But I think it's definitely a positive thing. 
Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a wide yeah. wide topic. It depends. It? I know that yesterday I was at the Albert Hein and not at the Jumbo, and then I think one reason why companies would maybe do because they with like cucumbers, for example, you don't pay per like mass or vol- you pay per cucumber, right? Yeah, yeah. So then they want them all to be the same size, and every time I like and I tried, I bought oh. leek. And I thought, okay, leak is like 60 cents. And then I actively tried to pick the biggest leak, but it was really dif- difficult. Ha- they were basically yeah. all the same size. <laughs> oh, so I think wow. maybe that's what the idea behind that is like, otherwise they would have to, I think if you go to like real vegetable markets, you always pay per kilogram. Or yeah, 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 of course. Because yeah. then it doesn't matter that they, then they can also come in different shapes and sizes. True, yeah. true, true. Oh, I never thought about Boss that. Also, probably oh. all this the bio, it's just, I think, the whole bioengineering is just a product of that is that it's all they're all just clones and they all look the same anyways i think <laughs> right i guess that's i, I wouldn't be surprised at all if these these were indeed um, i don't know if they're gmo but it doesn't have to be gmo per definition it can also yeah. be like um how do you call it like cultivated in such a way that this particular type sort of dominates the rest of the species so. see i was just assuming that there was a great deal of vegetables and other products and fruit being thrown away that didn't fit the mold and I, I know there's a big focus now on supermarkets selling stuff that isn't necessarily the right size and shape um i never considered that they might be grown to be standardized um i don't know too much about it i'm not really into agriculture but yeah maybe yeah. that's the, the case i guess everything is just from like a logistics point of view everything's maybe more easy if you have standardized Measures, true, true. I guess true. everything could be easy if a cucumber is always the same size. You can make them stackable. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah I was wondering. Stackable. I mean, if 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 you are working on standardizing fruit and veg, I mean, why stick to their original shape? You know, like make it silly. Uh, how do you call it? Like a make, square? Make it a cube. A cube. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, they would have to normalize it for us, <laughs> right? That's the problem. I think it's if there's a cube cucumber, I think a lot of people wouldn't trust it. <laughs> It would take, I think it would take like a couple generations to like slowly mold them more like rectangular kind of. True, true, true. Because That's in the beginning, people would be very skeptical, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they, they still want to sell them. Luke, you either eat your square cucumber <laughs> or you don't eat at yeah, all. Yeah, unless they force us to, but you can always, I guess, buy other cucumbers. But um, yeah. I guess, I guess. I guess I guess it's also time for a short break back to to Moza Musica and King Stereo. I think this is this is going fantastically well. I'm loving it so far and hope our Me audience too. are having a good time as well. <laughs> Thank you. 
Turn up the volume. Indeed. Thank you so much, Noel, for that awesome jingle. You're listening to Student Radio Master on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Shamir Tech. Joining us in the studio are uh, Adam and Luca. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Ahaha. Ahaha. Ah, ah, ah. I like I like it. I like it's going on well so far. And we are talking about political questions. We've already already mentioned some very interesting topics like standardization. But now now we are going to hit it where our audience can definitely resonate. We are in the Netherlands and one of the first things uh, anyone coming to the Netherlands notices when you go out for a drink is the size of the beer. In my mind, right? Every time I buy a beer and by the way just to just to just for our audience to know for for completing the information France has even smaller beer measures. Uh, somehow I don't know where it is smaller, but in in France you can buy buy beer cans of of uh, 250 ml or even like um, wow. yeah, really tiny ones. In the Netherlands it's 330 ml. I think in Germany we can confirm it's around half a liter. Yeah, half a liter. There's also 330. Ah, oh, that's okay. Okay, It okay. Exists as well. All right, yeah. all right. Half liter is the standard. <laughs> it's the standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, it depends. I think there's like regional differences actually. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah, there are there are terms like the fifth, right, yeah. which is like a, a, But, a small um, beer. Where like, I'm from, like in Bavaria, like the standard is a liter. Oh wow! Standard glass is a liter, and then we say, I want half half a pint is like half a liter, which is the oh. one that you regularly drink when you just go to the bar. But you say I want half one, and then half they give pint. you a like a regular like pint-sized beer because at like the Oktoberfest you get the one liter. Yeah. And yeah. Oktoberfest beer is typically pretty strong, right? That as well. So you get one liter and it's also um yeah. Yeah. And I always thought it was very expensive because you pay like 12 euros or something for a liter. But then in Netherlands they charge you like easily six sometimes for half a liter or like four or five euros for 300 milliliters. So then it's actually even more expensive. in a regular bar and at the most like commercial event they have in Munich. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's yeah, not of that course. expensive anymore. Of, of course, of course. I mean, the Oktoberfest is huge. I mean, that's it's, it's a pretty global event. Yeah. But what I've seen in Maastricht is if you go to pubs, I think I've seen 170 ml. 170 ml of beer and I'm like, okay, I need at least two of these because I need one for my way till the door. and another one when i actually drink in my beer <laughs> and, the, and the other thing i keep wondering about right is like every time i buy cans of beer um is that am i am i paying for the beer or am i paying for aluminum because below a certain ratio of beer to aluminum we are paying for aluminum you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> well i think you still pay for the, uh, the 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 liquid volume inside the can right of course of course of course <laughs> but again i know that that sort of um it sort of raises an, an an environmental question where you go uh how much aluminum waste would you generate for say 10 liters of beer if you're buying tiny cans yeah you easily generate generate way more than buying a bigger can well this is a, a super interesting topic to me um I, i could talk for a long time about this i see i'm a bit of a beer enthusiast and i'm i'm a brewer i'm a home brewer so i've got a lot oh, of wow. i've got a lot of opinions okay. about this um and it's something i've thought about a lot since i moved over here because as you mentioned in the netherlands down here at for sure I don't know about up north um crazy small beer measures you go for a beer order a beer in any standard cafe or pub as we call it um and they'll bring you yeah like a little 250 ml 200 ml beer um which is a vast contrast to uh what we have in the UK a standard beer a standard pint will be 568 ml yeah. which is 
that bit more than the, the, the standard half litre in, yeah. in a lot of Europe. Um, but there's so much variation just in this little area. I yeah. will drive to Belgium to buy beers and I'll drive to Germany to buy beers. Yeah. And there's a whole different range of, of sizes and strengths. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit of a minefield. But I think in Germany, for example, a lot of companies, like they have the same bottle just with different etiquettes. And I think that makes the whole, because in Germany you have to, you, most people actually do that. They bring every bottle back. There's a whole um, deposit system for bottles yeah. to where you, you actually, so you know, you, it says there's on the price, there's like, 90 cents for a beer plus 20 or 15 cents for the bottle and in germany most people are actually i guess you could say um how to say behaved um to actually do that and they all bring the bottles back you have like you know you have a place where you collect them and once every two weeks you bring all the bottles back and you collect your deposit money you know funny story in in the nordics there's also a deposit on cans the caveat is that you, you cannot return a crushed can. You have to return yeah. an intact can. And I was visiting, well, uh, the Nordics a couple of years ago, and I had a garbage bag full of cans from, from, from a weekend. And we were driving from, I believe it was Finland, into Norway. And I thought, oh, I, I will just fill up the back of this car with these cans. I'll go to Norway, return the aluminium, get the deposit. But no. That's not how it works. You can't return Finnish cans in Norway. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. complicated. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is complicated. And it, all, it does raise a lot of, uh, well, like we say, political questions. Yeah, it's definitely polit political in a sense. Um, but it's just interesting to see the variation in the way that different countries deal with these things, even within, for example, something like the European Union. Um, the, the whole recycling system uh, the, like you mentioned with the deposit um, and I regularly go to the Getranka Markt just over yeah. the border yeah. uh, Getranka Hoffman and stock up on beers and then I take the bottles back because the deposit with the crate and the, the bottles yeah. is well worth trading in against whatever you buy yeah. next uh, there's a similar system in place here in the Netherlands um, and uh, in Belgium as well. Uh, we don't have any of that in the UK. Oh, if, no way. If you buy beer from the, the supermarket, if you buy a crate of beer, usually it will come in a, a cardboard box, basically. Mm. Um, it might be cans, it might be bottles, um, but you won't get any deposit on those. And the way things work in the UK, in, in contrast to here, shall we say, is um, you just put all of your glass and, and metal waste in a, a recycling bin that is collected by the local authorities. Yeah. So it, it's nice and easy to do the recycling, but you're not going to get any deposit back. Um, so there's no real incentive to make sure that you put that in the recycling rather than just yeah. throw it in the waste. I, I think the benefit of having the deposit here and in Germany and, and wherever else is that you're going to make sure you get that money back for those, those bottles um, or cans or, or whatever it is. Whereas in, in the UK, I have a feeling that a lot of people are just yeah. sending this stuff to landfill um, <laughs> because there's nothing to gain from not putting it in the bin. Yeah, or what happens is like when you drink the park, you leave it as like these places like next to like a trash can. Everyone leaves their bottles there and then some person comes and picks all these bottles up and brings and gets the money. Yeah, true. I've seen that. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen people do that with cans in, uh, in yeah. Finland. So yeah, you have people like in a park, uh, you're, you're having a beer in the summer uh, that's around three days of the year and yeah there, there are people literally walking around picking up uh, beer cans and bringing it back to the deposit uh, yeah I know music money. festivals often now um, the bar might give you like 
well, in the UK, like five or ten pence back against the price oh, yeah. of a beer if you take the paper cut back. And you'll see kids just collecting stacks of them, um, which yeah. is, yeah, efficient. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty sweet. Pretty neat. I'm glad, I'm glad we touched upon that topic. And, and while staying on the topic of beer, you know what goes with beer? And this beautiful weather, it's a barbecue. And speaking about barbecues, I'm mentioning barbecue for a very particular reason because I recently bought some some coal, you know, like for the, for the barbecue. The coal came in a paper bag. And in my mind, I was like, okay, this is a weird packaging. It's a paper bag. I, I ripped it open. Okay, it had a plastic liner inside mm. and everything. So you keep the moisture out and, you know, have some rigidity and strength to it. What I didn't understand is that why pretend to be environmentally friendly and sell it in a paper bag? You are selling coal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Fair point. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, if, if that could be a regulation saying that oh, it, should, if, yeah, it could be a political topic where, you know, should we, should we try to pretend to be environmentally friendly? <laughs> well, it's definitely the done thing for any major corporation now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's more than not. Greenwashing, I guess, right? Greenwashing, that's the, the word. Yeah, that's how they describe it. Uh, and yeah, I think some of these companies really are doing positive things um, and others are just giving the impression. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one chips thing where I saw it. It was like really, it was like, it looked one of those classic brown shopping bags and in it was a plastic bag of chips. <laughs> and then it's like, you could just have the plastic bag of chips and then it's actually less waste. Yeah. Like that made me really mad. Yeah. <laughs> like was, but also I think, especially like when you have plastic that sticks to paper. Yeah. That's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a nightmare. You, it's like really hard to recycle and separate that. Because I know I the classic so. like milk <laughs> cartons. Milk cartons or the Tetra Pak. Which I think yeah. you kind of have to need that because you need the aluminum foil for like heat. Um, Oh yeah, you need it for barrier yeah, properties like and so on. It's difficult to just yeah. put it in paper, I think. Something sure, also sure. because of hygiene standards, it's still hard to replace plastic everywhere. But um yeah, I know these are really difficult to recycle because they have plastic, aluminium and paper. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got like seven layers or something. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare for recycling. I don't yeah. think any of those get recycled. I think they they're going straight to the landfill like like And then I wonder if maybe just a plastic bottle would be better. There are there are some companies arguing for mono material packaging, um, I don't know which is yeah. good or bad. But uh, and you put a deposit on the plastic bottle or something. I guess. And I mean, plastic is light. I would probably buy that yeah. instead of buying bottles because I don't have a car. You know, like um, so. I used to buy beers in bottles when I did have a car. On the bicycle, it's a bit more tricky. Um, yeah, I've made that mistake in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit tricky. Time for a quick break, and we will we will get back to our political questions. Sure. Stay tuned.
Terrier, le non-stop radio. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. And what you were listening to there is King Stereo. Thanks to Moza Musica for providing us um, with these awesome tracks uh, for our... Uh, for our crazy rant of an episode and today we're talking about political questions. My name is Shamio Tech and joining us in the studio is Luca. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. And Adam. Bonjour, monsieur. Parmesan. Amazing, amazing. I told you it's oh, going to get wild. Yeah. I told you it's like, going to get wild. Oui, oui, oui. Did you know the French actually breathe in when they say oui? Like oui, 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 oui. Isn't it often like, 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 what? What? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like. <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's the French. Yeah. But uh, hey, um, during the break, break we we had a little bit of a rant about another um, well, personal slash political topic or potentially political topic, and this one is on on lace, specifically shoelaces. I've got an issue with them. Here's the thing: we we know two things exist to fasten. Let's say fabrics, shoelace. Well, three, uh, three things: yeah, shoelace, a uh, lace, um, a zipper, or Velcro. So, as far as I'm concerned, um, near my groin area, I wouldn't like to have like really sharp interlocking metal. Right? I think that's where a lace belongs. On a shoe. That's not where a lace belongs. That's where a zipper or Velcro belongs, right? I mean, this is a potential potential danger. It's a potential life mm. hazard. I would disagree with the zipper on a shoe. Because, like, the zipper is not adjustable. The zipper is closed or open. I mean, you can kind of semi-open it, but then it also goes open again. So on a shoe, I think you want something adjustable. And I think laces do a good job or um, Velcro. Hmm. That's interesting. It's an interesting take because I, in, in, my, in my mind, my feet doesn't really change over the period of wearing the shoe. I mean, I, I, I'll buy a shoe that fits. But, but shoes are like still made for different feet sizes, right? Oh, like that. Like, you know, it's, oh. like, it's, like, it's a size, but then there's feet come in all different shapes and stuff. And some people like it more loose and some people like it more tight. Right. But then with the zipper, it's like really like that's the level of tightness that you can have. I like I like I like the details uh, that that Lucas goes. I really on. thought this about this yeah. a lot uh, in the music break. <laughs> I think you know zippers are great for jackets. I think jackets for sure. Yeah, no lace there. Has no to lace be there. Totally like sealed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For right? sure, for yeah. sure. I think I think with shoes uh, going into the into the depths of details, uh, Lucas going into the research here. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it, by the way. But maybe indeed like zipper with a bit of an elastic. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we might be pushing it to call this a political issue, but yeah, here are my thoughts. Um, the zipper thing um, on the in the groin area is a is a very fair point, um, but I guess history has shown us that the the incident rate is low enough to kind of uh, take that risk. Uh, I guess there are not too many people going into A and E or the the ER as as they call it in American English to. Uh, to have their zippers disconnected Unhooked. from their, their body. Yeah. So I guess it's not that dangerous. Uh, Velcro on shoes just seems a little bit childish. That's all I'm going to say yeah, about that one. I, agree. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I have a pair of Velcro shoes and I look a bit like a child, but I love them. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Well, and I think, I think really, the trick, yeah. And, I, and when I have shoes with lace, especially sneakers, I just tie them once and then I slip and slip out. 
Yeah. Like in the yeah. beginning, yeah. maybe you tie them, but then you just slip in, slip out, which kind of also, I guess, stretches out the shoe and maybe destroys the shoe quicker than if you would retie it every time. Because I don't do that with sneakers, but then when you have Velcro, you actually open it up because it's so quick. You go in, out, and you close it again. Well, yeah, I, I don't think the Velcro model is is meant for repeated open clothes. It's like the Ziploc bags, because yeah. if you do it too often, it might it might wear off. Ah, it could. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, indeed, like I said, most people do that. I, including myself, when I when I used to have Velcro shoes, I would also like uh, open the back flap quite often. Yeah. And and then it started ripping off. The other issue I have with lace is that very often I find that the, that the shoes get worn off way sooner than the lace, the laces lifetime. And I feel oh, it's such a pity the shoe died, but the lace is still alive. Really? Uh, yeah. Is that yeah. your experience? Uh, the audience can't see. I'm just showing my shoe uh, <laughs> in the studio. I mean, I think with shoes in general, I guess often would really the first thing that dies is the bottom part yeah, the sole, the sole. Right? yeah and i guess with some shoes i think when you have like doc martens you could actually replace them and people do that because they're they tend to be really expensive i think like a new mm -hmm. pair of doc martens can go up to like 200 euros well, yeah and then if you just replace them and you treat the leather well you can have these boots for like 10 years or something technically yeah. so maybe if we would maybe treat shoes more like that like cars where like you could just you repair some parts um actually i think when i was in india I I got these this really nice pair of like handmade leather sandals, uh, like custom made. Um, they were also relatively. I mean, I think I paid like thirty, forty euros, but it was from this like real like sandals dude who like makes them. You can see how he makes them, and they broke kind of. And then I just got them repaired because they these shoe, um, like how do you say like shoe polishers, but also like shoe repairmen, a, a cobbler, all over on the street, and you just go there. And you, I mean, you pay like two or three euros and they just fix your shoes and they also make the leather shiny again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. No, I see what you mean because those shoes, they, they don't use that much glue. It's a lot of stitch work. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, yeah, they often restitch it. Yeah. They restitch it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And cobblers here are yeah, kind of tricky. Um, I've, I've been, ref cobblers have refused to fix my shoes. They just go like, nah, this is not fixable. This is going to cost way more than, than a new shoe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's the kind of, the, the culture the society we have really things are disposable um and a lot of things are not made to be repaired they're made to be used for a certain short lifetime especially if you've laid out a relatively low amount of money to to pay for them um and on the topic of shoes i know certain shoe brands um back in the uk a really popular brand is lokes um which are considered one of the ultimate like men's business dress shoes you know in in the city of london for example a lot of people will be wearing lokes or another similar maybe smaller brand where you'll be paying upwards of 200 pounds maybe 200 300 pounds and more potentially for a pair of shoes and the idea is that they will last you a lifetime if you want and you might need to get them resold um, and yeah, I think in, in some respects, that's a better way to go. And it makes sense to, to shell out a bit more money for something that's going to last. But the problem for a lot of people who are living month to month on a relatively low salary is having that money to lay out in, in the first instance, if you don't have a lot of capital. But uh, yeah, I think uh, from a political and, and, and social and environmental point of view, uh, more reusability would definitely be a, a positive thing. And we should get more stuff fixed 
if we yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, I think you really nailed it on the head there. Um, yeah, and then the connections to indeed uh, like social environmental uh, situations cannot be ignored. Uh, I think that that that's a really fine point. Uh, unfortunately, we are coming close ah. towards the end of the show. We will take um, take a short break and uh, yeah, and come back for the closing. So stay tuned. Back, you're listening to, listening to Student Radio Master on RT 107.5 FM. That was King Stereo. Th- uh, King Stereo, thank you very much, Moza Musica, for letting us use your, your material. And before we go, uh, we have a little short section, a few minutes of rant, rant left um, <laughs> in, in our topic of political questions. Uh, you, you, you both vote, I'm guessing, Adam and Luca? Uh, yeah, well, when I can and where I can. Right. I, I can't yeah. hear. All right. No, I don't. I mean, I'm only there. Were only two, like elections that I could participate since I am, uh, you know, All eligible right. to vote. So, but I did participate in those. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Interesting, interesting. Now, because I was, I was uh, looking up, uh, you know, that Eurovision is on this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And you know how they vote in Eurovision, right? Like the country that is doing the performance cannot you cannot vote for that your own country okay right like you so if you're in, if you're in Belgium you can vote for all other countries except Belgium mm-hmm. or or something like that do you, do you reckon like that's how global democracy should go anyways like should the rest of the world vote for the country that's having the elections rather than the countries voting themselves mm. I can't say that that's going to work no <laughs> I also think that that's my short answer be where there's also a lot of diasporas right so you have for example in germany there's a there's like three million turkish people and they will probably vote for turkish people uh, for for turkey 
And Turkey has also won Eurovision quite some times, and I think it helps when you have a lot of your own people in other countries. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. then I think, I think I mean India, for example, is people everywhere. Sure, there's sure, huge sure. communities in the UK, um, South Africa, or in Canada, yeah. right? Um, I guess China as well. Um, so then. That plays a part, and I think maybe then there would be because uh, I just know that the way that works, then countries will like strategically try to let their people immigrate here and there to manipulate these elections <laughs> right? because that's always what they do in the end. True, true. In a way, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that will go. I think um, I, I I threw it in for um, for for the sake of correctness. Oh, by the way, speaking about for the sake of completeness, we 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 missed out another possibility of fastening that is buckles. Huh. Very retro. Very retro. Retro? Yeah. Luca? Yeah, I think Preferable so. Preferable to the Velcro, though, I think. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring back buckles. That's yeah. going to be not my new motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring back the buckle. Okay. Thank, thank you so much, uh, Adam and Luca, for joining in today. But before we go, uh, yeah, in fact, I'll already start playing the uh, a little bit of a preview for uh, of what Moza Musica is going to be playing on Saturday so don't forget to tune in on RTV 107.5 FM between 8 and 9 p.m. if you want to listen to some awesome tunes this one is by the uh, by the DJ Acid and uh, yeah so I'll let you enjoy uh, the brief preview and uh, yeah tune in on Saturday and tune back in every Wednesday 6 to 8 for Student Radio Maastricht any last thoughts? Glad to be here man thank you so much Sean thank you so much it's been a blast Perfect, perfect, oi, oi. perfect. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs>